This week's episode is brought to you by Bonfire, Chimera, Zeke, and Grant. Thank you, Bonfire, Chimera, Zeke, and Grant. It's with the generous support of listeners just like you that keeps our laser transmission tower array broadcasting at dangerously high levels and beaming the secret codes we found in a six-dimensional pocket plane on a floppy disk at your boss's house visible only to rabbits projecting astrally directly into your hippocampal nerve bundles. If you'd like to see what's on the floppy disk, or perhaps just listen to our extended shows, please visit www.patreon.com slash thewholerabbit, where your access to our entire library of extended shows will more than double the content available in its full uncensored form. Heck, I'll even send you a 5x5 high-quality vinyl sticker of our cover art guaranteed to draw you strange looks from your co-workers, and the secret keys to our Discord server where listeners and creators of the show hang out and talk about the things. In this week's show, we continue our series on astrological magic and visit every single one of the 12 signs of the zodiac to discuss their magical qualities, alchemical properties, associations with the physical body, and symbolism. The party really kicks off in the extended episode where we go quite a bit deeper and explain each of the zodiacal signs Hebrew letter association as seen in the tarot, what each one means in context, and find glimpses of new clarity when exploring how they link up with the Egyptian zodiac. If there was ever a reason to subscribe at our $10 tier, the access to our 30-page show notes for this episode might be it. Otherwise, we always appreciate a good like, share, or subscribe. Thank you, and enjoy the show. going to try and stay away from Egypt. I really was going to try. And then I saw the stuff that Luke was writing and I was like, oh, I can't. I, I have to. It just ties in so nicely. You get to know the memes better. The big zodiacal memes in the sky. Are you sure it's not just God's unsolicited dick pics? I didn't want them up there. They're just there. Then you realize you're just sending dick pics to yourself? That I can get behind gonna save these for later then i'm gonna make a bunch of tiny people with a bunch of tiny dicks and they'll have to worship me with my big gigantic dick hello everybody and welcome to the whole rabbit where we don't just tell you that you belong to an entirely new constellation of the zodiac and then tell you to go handle snakes in traffic nay we blow the dust off ancient tomes which begin to swirl and sparkle into a galaxy full of stars who from their lofty mansions in the glittering darkness above rain with despotic unswerving severity and insufferable micromanagerial tyranny over the destiny of our lives, forever weaving an entangling snare of fate and whipping with frenzied punitive wrath any of their children who dare resist its tangled web with a giant glittering belt of the ecliptic like a big angry sky daddy with a hard hat on because this week we're continuing our discussion about astrological magic and directing our gaze to the belt of the zodiac. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Luke Madrid, otherwise known as Hack Rabbit. I'm joined this week by the dog star, Mari Sama. Ooh, woo, take me to your alpha. The third moon of Mars, Malachor 5. Ain't no moon. And the lady of celestial lingerie, Hecka Astra. Hello! This is our third episode on Zodiacal Magic, which hopefully by next week will bring us, by popular demand, into the pages of the Picatrix, where we learned to make real planetary talismans and charms you won't find in a box of edible breakfast cereal. Oh, but I like Lucky Charms. So as a ceremonial magician, we are tasked with cataloging correspondences. This can be the literal elements, like fire, which you would connect to plants, like a fire poppy, to colors like red, 
red or you know hot colors all the way up to an angel that embodies the management of the idea of magical fire. If we put our frame of mind into a ceremonial zodiacal magic mode for a second, what we see happening is the invocation of certain stars and collections of celestial bodies like the zodiac. Across the world, many cultures have gone to this level of awareness or consciousness. And in the East, uh, regular meditation on these lessons of the 12, the wheel in the sky, these zodiacal forces, it gets you to enlightenment. And when invoking these intelligences at the zodiacal stage, the ego starts to dissolve. Every man and every woman is a star. And I know that sounds kind of dumb, but it's absolutely true. The fusion occurring in the core of the stars has created everything in the known universe. This very fact in my eyes has given us a sort of quantum entanglement that allows us to draw energy from the stars themselves. It's like they say, everyone is made of star stuff. We're all made of star stuff. Yeah. A word that comes to mind is astrobiology. It's the scientific theory or research into how life is created in space and that, you know, from a star to a human. And I like to go further than that and say that all of space is a part of one living thing and the small life forms reflect the bigger life forms that could be a solar system. A solar system could be said to be alive almost. Well, it's kind of cool because if you think of like how flowers are pollinated, I think of this thing happening when like celestial bodies smash into each other like asteroids and they form like little protoplanets. It's like they're swapping saliva. They're cross-pollinating. That's a good way to put it. One planet star system blowing up can rocket a bunch of debris into a next system and that's going to cause life eventually. Maybe that's how we got here. So we, as humans, got to the point of, you know, being able to look at the stars, notice patterns up there, and the ancients really gave them power and worshipped them. And a second word I wanted to bring up is astrotheology. It's defined as worshipping the stars. That's literally what it means. This can be a single star or a collection of them, like the zodiac signs. Exactly how to interact with these intelligences in magical ways has been passed down over time through cult-like structures or secret religious orders. Magic stars do appear in the Old Testament, and they're sometimes as a guide. Kind of like the star of Bethlehem that they followed the little baby Jeebus. It's a magic star. Yeah, and it changes the course of history. The word Maseroth appears once in the book, and it means constellations. In Job 38-32, where it can be found, Maseroth is said in a context to the 12 zodiacal constellations. Some other translations interpreted it to mean garland of crowns, but it's still in regards to the constellations. There are similar words still used today, but the most famous Hebrew phrase, Mazel Tov, is a derivative or related to Maseroth. Mazel Tov. So It makes total sense to say that during someone's birthday because it's like a return to their zodiacal place in the sky. In that particular section of Job, the discussion is actually focused on whether or not, and I'm paraphrasing here, does this Maseroth rule over our fate or does God? It's, it's a really good debate because, you know, we're going to get into why these stars are so important to your fate, and maybe it does have something to do with it. They're typically represented as animals. For me, in the Bible, whenever I read about animals, I feel like it was encoded with secret symbolism, and over time I realized this might be of the constellations. So it's like when Adam started to name the animals, it was really a description of the way older civilizations understood their path work to the godhead or rulership, how they understood the constellations. The Greeks saw animals in the sea, on the land, and in the sky. The creatures of fire were special though, and corresponded to the animals in the zodiac, who are said to watch over and rule the lives of those born under them in accordance with their nature, on behalf of the demiurge, or public artificer. The word zodiac comes from the Greek zodiacos, 
which literally means circle of animals, little animals. The zodiac is composed of 12 constellations through which the sun travels each year through a wheel in the sky called the ecliptic. The ecliptic is the belt in the sky where we see the sun, the moon, and planets cross from horizon to horizon like on the hands of a clock. The zodiac's animals are just the constellations sitting along this belt. So the sun spends approximately one month in each sign, and that's where the term sun sign came from. But it's not really as simple as that. No, it's not. This brings up the difference between sidereal astrology versus tropical astrology. Simply put, one is the background stars and one is the sun. The tropical zodiac is the one we are most used to here in the West when we look up a horoscope, etc. Tropical astrology is entirely sun-based and it corresponds to the equinoxes and solstices. In the East, things are a little bit different. In Eastern systems of magic, the sidereal zodiac is based on the position of the sun in relation to the star constellations as they appear in the night sky. So in tropical astrology, the spring equinox is considered the first day of the zodiac year and the first day of Aries. Continuing onward, the summer solstice corresponds to the first day of Cancer, so on and so forth. So the system we use is anchored on the solstices and the equinoxes, which is just the earth and the sun and the tilt that the earth has in relation to the sun. Because we're on the earth and we have seasons, so it's not going to be indicative of which zodiac sign the sun is actually in at that time. Yeah, it actually has nothing to do with background stars, which is why every time they bring up that 13th sign, Ophicius, they're kind of pulling one on you to assume that you don't know that. Because actually, the sun passes through more than just 13 signs, if you're going to be technical about it. So the system we use here in the West is based on the seasons, not really the background stars. Now, sidereal astrology, it is based on the background stars. So the first day of Aries would be sometime in the middle of April when the sun rises in front of Aries. These two systems, sidereal and tropical, they differ by about one sign, tropical lagging behind. One lags behind because of a special thing called the precession of the equinoxes. So explaining the precession of the equinox, uh, we have Manly P. Hall here with a quote. Each year the sun passes entirely around the zodiac and returns to the point from which it started, the vernal equinox. And each year it falls a little short of making the complete circle of the heavens and the allotted period of time. As a result, it crosses the equator just a little behind the spot in the zodiacal sign where it crossed the previous year. Each sign of the zodiac consists of 30 degrees, and as the sun loses about one degree every 72 years, it regresses through one entire constellation or sign in approximately 2,160 years and through the entire zodiac in about 25,920 years. Authorities disagree concerning these figures, however. This retrograde motion is called the precession of the equinoxes. This means that in the course of about 25,920 years, which constitute one great solar or platonic year, each one of the 12 constellations occupies a position at the vernal equinox for nearly 2,160 years, then gives up the place to the previous sign. Neat, because the precession of the equinox means like we're going age-wise backwards through the zodiac as time moves forward oh man that is fascinating right and so as each one of these signs as as the sun rises in each one of these signs for like 2160 years those are each like an age in said sign each time we move on to another one it seems like man's consciousness has also evolved 
So for anyone who has been confused in the past about when people say like, oh, the age of Pisces or the age of Aquarius, this is what they're talking about. Interestingly enough, you know, when people talk about the end of time or the apocalypse or remember the Maya calendar meme back in the 2000s and everybody was thinking the world was going to end in 2012 or whatever. A lot of these predictions about the world ending and stuff is simply just the vernal equinox lapsing into a new sign. Yeah, they're, they're all tripping on this. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like everything's going to be vaporized in one second. It just means that the energy of the era is ending and, and then we'll have a new era that begins. And it's neat because it's like, just like we have signs on the cusp, we have this kind of transitional period as well between the ages. And crazy people like uh, Dan Winters are like, yeah, and when these happen, like it, the, our sun aligns with another star like in deep space and it shoots out radiation. And that's why we have higher intelligence now. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> dude, I want what you're smoking, man. Give me the brain beams. It's also due to this procession of the equinoxes that the pole star moves over time. So the pole star that we have now, Polaris, back in the age of Aries, I believe it was Draco's star, one of Draco's star. Thuban. Thuban, thank you. So Thuban used to be the the northern star, but because of the procession of the equinoxes, now it's Polaris. Because the world spins and wobbles like a dreidel as it orbits the sun. So the age of Taurus lasted from around 4,320 BC to 2,160 BC. Then the age of Aries from 2,160 BC to zero. And then the age of Pisces from zero to 2,160 common era. That's now we're in there. So if we think back to the age of Taurus in the time when the sun rose in the sign of Taurus during the equinox, the formula for union with the divine was encoded in the symbol of the bull. Then in Aries, which we saw monotheism rise with Judaism, Today, we can still see the significance of the ram in the Jewish rituals, you know, like the chauffeur horn being blown on the holy day. During this age, the age of Aries, this is again the time when Moses came down from the mountain and he got pissed off at all the golden calf worshiping folk of the old Aeon. He was like, no, we got to be doing the, you know, the ram stuff. Not the and cow then, stuff, the ram stuff, you idiots. It's a ram. When Jesus was born and brought us into the current age of Pisces, we have a much more cemented version of this monotheism. And we no longer talk about these holy energies in terms of zodiacs and multiple gods, but of multiple angels under God. Christianity in particular is a solar religion where Jesus embodies the sun and his 12 disciples are the 12 zodiac signs. So there's a little bit of a New Testament polytheism there where they're somewhat saints, but you know we don't have saints in the American Christianity version, but we do at the same time. The age of Pisces kind of makes sense too for the Jesus fish. That's what it's all about. So we worked our way through the planets last week and we discussed some of their associations on the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. Today we'll be focusing on the sphere of the zodiac. And on the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, the whole sphere of the zodiac is associated with Hakma or wisdom. And this is the first sphere below Kether. This implies starlight is divine and next unto the source. It's equated unto wisdom itself. So let's learn a little bit about the zodiac. So each sign of the zodiac is given a series of associations, but before we explain each sign, it makes sense to explain the terms that are used to describe them. Each zodiacal sign has an elemental association. Since there's 12 signs and four elements, we have three sets of the four elements. The signs cycle through those four elements in the repeating order of fire, earth, air, water, totaling three of each element in the complete zodiac. Each element expresses itself differently in the three signs that it belongs to. So even if two signs are fire signs, 
the nature of the fire is expressed differently, and these expressions, or modalities, are known as cardinal, fixed, and mutable, which are also cycled through the signs in that order, and it repeats four times. So let's take fire for example. The first fire sign of the zodiac is Aries, which is cardinal fire. The second fire sign is Leo, which is fixed fire, and the third fire sign is Sagittarius, which is mutable fire. Since the first sign of the zodiac, Aries, is cardinal, the next sign in the wheel, being Taurus, will be fixed. Likewise, since Aries is a fire sign, the following sign, Taurus, will be an earth sign. So the wheel of the zodiac cycles through all of the elemental relationships with the signs, as well as the modality of their elements expression. So cardinal means fundamental. Cardinal expressions of the elements are initiatory, the four cardinal signs line up with the beginnings of seasons, and so they're instigators of the elemental energy, and they line up with the equinoxes and the solstices. Fixed means stable or secured in place, so fixed elemental expressions take the cardinal elements and run with them, and they bring them to the height of their expression. So the fixed signs of the zodiac also line up with the middle of the seasons. Then the mutable signs, mutable means liable to change, mutable signs have adaptable malleable expressions of their elements, and the zodiac signs that are mutable line up with the end of the seasons. Then each sign of the zodiac has planetary associations as well, so each sign is ruled by a planet or co-ruled by planets. The signs are also divided into an even number of six masculine and six feminine signs. And again, that's not a commentary on biological sex, it's a simple archetypal energy association, and you can kind of think of it as being similar to the Chinese yin and yang, yin being feminine feminine, receptive, dark, or like the negative side of a battery, and yang being masculine, active, bright, or like the positive side of a battery. Our source for the following 12 zodiacal signs comes from Agrippa's Three Books of Magic, in which book two, Agrippa says about the 12 signs of the zodiac, Now the number 12 is divine, and that whereby the celestials are measured, it is also the number of signs in the zodiac, over which there are 12 angels as chief supported by the irrigation of the great names of God. In twelve years also, Jupiter perfects his course, and the moon daily runs through twelve degrees. There are also twelve chief joints in the body of man, and in hands, elbows, shoulders, thighs, knees, and vertebrae of the feet. There is also a great power of the number twelve in divine histories. God chose twelve families of Israel, and set over them twelve princes. And so many stones were placed in the midst of Jordan, and God commanded that so many should be set on the of the priest. Twelve lions did bear the brazen sea that was made by Solomon, and were so many fountains in Helam, and so many spies sent to the land of promise, and so many apostles of Christ sent over the twelve tribes, and twelve thousand people were set apart and chosen, the queen of heaven crowned with twelve stars, and the gospel twelve baskets of the fragments were taken up, and twelve angels are set over the twelve gates of the city, and twelve stones of the heavenly Jerusalem. In inferior things, many breeding things proceed after this number, so the hare and the coney, being most fruitful bunnies, bring forth twelve times in the year, and the camel is so many months in breeding, and the peacock 
brings forth 12 eggs. And if he was alive today, he will tell you that a 12-pack of beer is also magical. Agrippa was a master occultist and also a master of run-on sentences. So, like, that's what I'm saying, and freaking out with correspondences, dude. Like, when you realize this stuff, this is how you start to talk and write. <laughs> if you're listening and you don't have a copy of the, the three books of occult philosophy, you should pick them up. The 12 signs of the Zodiac make the wheel of the Zodiac, and it's divided equally into the 12 parts, 16 degrees wide and 30 degrees long each, and this makes the 12 houses of the Zodiac. These houses represent portions of the sky and do not move. The ascendant is the horizon, where the sun rises in the east, and the descendant is where the sun sets in the west, traversing six houses above the horizon and six below. 12 through 7 are above, and 1 through 6 are below. Each house corresponds to a different aspect of a person's life and are affected by the planets residing there, modified by the sign they are occupying. Although the zodiac signs and the planets move through the houses and are not stuck to them, each house does have a zodiacal association, which helps us understand it better. To maximize content, we're going to discuss each house during the zodiac sign it's associated with. In order to know the order of your houses, you do need to know which hour or exact time you were born to know this information. So if you don't, a lot of this stuff is going to be a little tough. Look on your birth certificate. Yeah. Well, some people don't have it. Ask your mom. Some people don't have those either. Yeah. First sign is Aries, the ram, and that spans from March 21st through April 19th. The symbol for Aries, it looks kind of like ram horns. It's got the little curly cues on the side. To me, it looks like the Egyptian hieroglyph for the uterus, which was especially used for the uterus of a heifer, which has not given birth yet. Thought that was kind of interesting. Like how the Dodge Ram symbol looks like a uterus? Yeah, like that. Aries is cardinal fire and masculine. Its color is red. Its ruling planet, Mars. Within this sign, the sun is exalted. It's a detriment to Venus. And Saturn is in its fall. Aries is penetrative. It goes through obstacles like the ram's horns, which symbolize it. As a hot, fiery, penetrative archetype, it also signifies the beginning of the new year at least in terms of the zodiac. So Aries represents the sowing of energy, like a seed being sown. So the energy of Aries is active, like Luke said, penetrative, fertile, and creative. Aries is a very action-oriented sign, and we can see this in the action-driven planet that rules it, being Mars, as well Aries being the ram, charges forth, horns first, and the astrological medical association to Aries is the head. The commencing of motion or the initiatory fire, that's represented by its elemental association of cardinal fire. So Aries has the commencing of motion or the initiatory fire, and that's represented by its elemental association of cardinal fire. Aries is given the association to the process of decomposition via calcination in alchemy, and that's the burning of a substance until it is turned to white ash. This is one of the first processes in alchemy. The alchemical symbols used to indicate the processes are typically the symbols of the zodiac signs that are associated with the process. So Aries season, like Luke was saying, it brings the vernal equinox. The word equinox comes from the Latin equi, meaning equal, and nox, meaning night. And it's called this because it's the time when the sun crosses the celestial equator, making the day and night times appear equal, sorry, almost equal in length. <clears throat> House one is where the ascendant is. 
The Ascendant House is the section of sky just below the horizon where the sun and the planets rise in the east. The first house corresponds to how something presents itself to the world, its personality, and its visible characteristics, including the way it looks. In short, the Ascendant works exactly the way popular astrology describes somebody's sun sign. A person with a planet in their Ascendant will tend to act and look like that planet. Because it's the side of you that penetrates into the world, it's associated with Aries. Aries also corresponds in a chart to you, your fifth child, your partner's ex-partner, and the home of your boss at work. Aries is associated with the head and the face. It's the So it's the face that you wear to others, the face that others see. So on to our next sign, the second sign, Taurus, which is the bull, obviously. And da bull. Da bull. And uh, <laughs> it goes from April 20th to May 20th. L little symbol is a circle with horns on top of it. So the Akkadians referred to Taurus as Mulguana, meaning the bull of heaven. The gu in Mulguana means bull, and the symbol for gu is the outline of a bull's head with horns, which is the oldest depiction that the modern Taurus symbol resembles today. It's also occasionally used for the alchemical symbols of bismuth or rock salt. Taurus is a fixed earth sign and is considered feminine. Its ruling planet is Venus. In Taurus, the moon is exalted and Mars is at its detriment. Taurus is considered slow, steady, sensual, heavy, dark. Taurus likes to relax, take its time, feel comfortable in its surroundings. Taurus is sometimes associated with digestion owing to these qualities, where Aries is associated with the horns of the ram. Taurus is the bull and is a fixed sign. Taurus's characteristics are strength, stability, discipline, consistency, virtue, and courage. It represents the personality of a king being stable and grounded. Taurus rules over the neck and the throat, which relates to the power of voice that a king possesses in speaking his orders of rulership into action. Being a fixed earth sign, Taurus comes at the height of spring. Much like the bull's hooves, Taurus digs into the earth and fixes the earth for growth strengthening the spirit of spring. Like its ruling planet Venus, who emerged from the waters, the beauty of the Earth emerges in the height of spring under Taurus as the beginning of the Earth signs. It's the first of the Earth signs. The fixed Earth aspect of Taurus is related both to the stability of roots and the budding growth which comes forth from the womb of the Earth, hence the feminine relationship to the fixed Earth sign. Alchemically speaking, Taurus is associated with the process of modification through congelation or coagulation. And that means the thickening or congealing of a substance, which increases its viscosity. So congelation is sometimes referred to as crystallization in modern alchemy. And Taurus season occurs at the middle of spring. Taurus is associated with house two. House two rules over possessions, so things we own money from earned income, what we have on our own in the widest sense, our physical body, your lover's father, your first child's boss at work, the money of your partner's ex-partner as well. Third sign is Gemini, the twins, and it goes from May 21st through June 21st. And the symbol looks like two parentheses, one facing the top, one facing the bottom, and then there's two little pillars joining them together. It almost looks like a Roman numeral two. It's symbolic of the two pillars on either side of a gateway, like to a temple. And it also represents duality, too. It makes me think of Boaz and Yaquin. And male and female, too, aspects, just opposing aspects. The two-faced god Janus, who's associated with doorways, openings, new beginnings, marriage. 
Absolutely. Gemini is a masculine mutable air sign. Its ruling planet is Mercury. It has no exalted planet and is the detriment of Jupiter. Gemini is considered mental, quick, intelligent, witty, flexible, talkative, restless, and even violent. Knowledge, rational thought, logical, those are all Gemini characteristics. The beginning of air as the first of the air signs. Mutable air means that this sign has a freedom of thinking or malleability of the mind, and it can be liberating from the conformity of strict methodologies, but it can also make it difficult to fix onto a specific conclusion. So this mutability of air, though, makes it possible to harmonize dualities, although there tends to be a separation from emotion in the process. So alchemically, Gemini is associated with the process of modification through fixation, which transforms a previously volatile substance into a form that's unaffected by fire. Gemini rules over the hands, the arms, shoulders, and the lungs, which are parts of your body used for fixation, the hands externally and the lungs internally. The lungs breathe in the mutable air with the beginning of each breath to be fixed into our bloodstream. And Gemini season lines up with the end of spring. Gemini is associated with house three. House three pertains to education, learning, environmental factors and conditioning, the ego, thoughts, short distance travel, close neighbors, your neighbors, your car, or vehicle, your siblings generally, in particular, your first sibling, your sixth child, and the health of society in general. Fun fact, the sign and its correspondent ruling planet that occupy the third house is associated with one's evil genius, or the shadow which disrupts and resists our spiritual progress in life. Sign four is Cancer, the crab, and it's from June 22nd through July 22nd. And I don't know, the symbol always reminded me of two tadpoles chasing each other or like a yin-yang. Sideways 69. Aw, oh, yeah. I know that it's used to symbolize solution in alchemy, but it also kind of looks a little like the symbol for 24 hours in alchemy, and it, that's um, a day symbol and a night symbol. That's probably what it is. Oh. The best I could find on the internet is that it looked like boobs. What kind of boobs sure. are you looking at? It looks like a portal. Yeah? Like a time portal. I don't really know what the actual origins of this symbol are, but... The titty portal. Yes, take me to the booby, the booby realm. Booby realm titty vagina portal. I've heard people say it's also like the hard shell of the crab on the outside and the soft bits on the inside. It could be crab claws. Yeah, I'd say it looks more like that. Like because they can retreat and it's like guarding itself. It does kind of look like that. Well, it pertains to the protective aspect of pregnancy where the mom becomes like a chariot to the baby inside. And it's this archetypal idea in general that's going on here. Cancer is considered a cardinal Water sign, which is feminine. Its ruling planet is the moon. In Cancer, Jupiter is exalted. Saturn is at its detriment. And Mars is in its fall. It is considered nurturing, sensitive, compassionate, self-protective, security-seeking, offering, and loving. So as the first of the water signs, Cancer represents the beginning of water or initiatory water. It rules the breast, lungs, arms, and stomach. Cancer, the crab constellation, is also the sign of the summer solstice, which indicates the sun at its highest highest point in the summer, or rather the longest of the daylight hours. 
says, the crab's hard protective shell hides the softness of the body within, and cancer is associated with the alchemical process of union through dissolution, which is the dissolving of the ashes from calcination into water, or to transform the substance by immersing it in a liquid or solvent. So cancer season brings the summer solstice. The word solstice comes from the Latin sol and stit, meaning sun stopped, because that's what it kind of looks like from Earth. And then the sun appears to walk backwards after passing through Cancer, which is kind of like how a scarab will switch directions and it pushes with its back legs, so its head is down, pushes the dung ball with its back legs, or a crab, how crab walks sideways. Cancer is associated with house four, which is home, roots, your origins, innermost feelings, and in divination it corresponds to the end of a matter. Also corresponds to your mom, your stepmom, your father-in-law, and your partner's boss at work. Sign five is Leo, the lion, and it's from July 23rd to August 22nd. It me. The symbol to me looks like, it looks like a yo-yo. It looks like a sperm. Oh yeah, it kind of does look like a sperm or a snake or something. That's what Aleister Crowley says. That's the original lion serpent, solar serpent, sun being the penis, the serpent being the sperm. No, the egg is the sun. The Leo symbol is kind of like an upside down U-shape with like a round head that looks like a snake. To me, the symbol kind of looks like the alchemical symbol for litharge, which is lead monoxide formed by fusing and powdering mascot. But the term litharge, originally it referred to the mineral residue from silver refining, but could also be used to refer to the litharge skimmings of any smelted metal. Kind of also looks like a snake, the symbol. Leo is a fixed fire sign and is considered masculine. The sun is its ruling planet, and Leo is the detriment of Saturn. Its traits are confident, comfortable being the center of attention, drama-loving, ambitious, loyal, fiercely protective of their nearest and dearest, generous, luxury-loving, sunny, and big-hearted. But Leo is the second of the fire signs, which makes it fixed fire, and that's the nature of fire in progress, or the increase of fire. So if you could consider Aries as like the dawn of fire, then Leo would be the noon of fire. Leo's energy is creative, vibrant, exuberant, related to the ego. Leo rules the heart, stomach, liver, and back. Alchemically speaking, Leo is associated with decomposition through digestion, and that's a slower transformative process that occurs with gentle heat over a longer period of time. Think of kind of like how a slow cooker breaks down and softens bones over a longer period of time, and that's how you make bone broth. So Leo season, it occurs in the middle of summer. The dog days, if you will. Leo is associated with house five, which rules over love interests, creativity, lovers and close friends, any risky enterprise including gambling, games of chance, speculation... Your children generally, in particular your first child, lovers or close friends, but not the ones that live with you, and your second sibling. Okay, now we have the sixth sign, Virgo, which means virgin, and that's from August 23rd through September 22nd. And the symbol looks like an M with a, like, vesica Pisces on the end. Vagina. Yeah. A closed circuit. It's the only one of the little loop-de-loops that actually has, like, a closed circuit. I don't really know where this symbol came from, but it kind of, to me, looks like it belongs in a Theban alphabet or maybe some form of heretic or demotic script. Virgo is considered mutable earth and is feminine. Virgo is unique where it has the same ruling and exalted planet, which is Mercury. It's to the detriment of Jupiter and Venus is in its fall when it's in Virgo. Virgo is considered methodical, practical, sensible, loyal, skilled, detail-oriented, organized, reliable, analytical, patient, 
critical, picky, uptight, professional. Uh, Virgo's nature is also productive, fertile, critical, pure, practical, has established order and boundaries. As the second of the Earth signs, Virgo is mutable Earth, and this means that the element of Earth is liable to change and has to do with the progress of Earth. So if you think about how the unplanted soil of the Earth holds the potential for life in its pure soil, you can kind of see how it's related to the virginal Virgo. The virgin mother whose womb carries all the potentials of life. Nature seeds and perpetuates life. Virgo rules over the digestive system, the abdomen, bowels, and the bottom of the stomach. In alchemy, it's associated with the process of separation through distillation. So this purifies and concentrates substances while separating the components of liquid mixtures. And Virgo season comes at the end of summer. Virgo is associated with house six. House six rules over people we work with, who serves us, and people we serve. Work colleagues, health, and nervous disposition. Also, pets, known enemies, and your mother's sibling. What did you say about my mom? I said your mom is a no good ho- I know, because I'm her <gasps> sister. Yeah, that's right. She's always holding herself off to those boys that work at Blockbuster Video. My mother is a virgin. Wait, what? <laughs> Are you Jesus's mom? Jesus is my homeboy. The seventh sign is Libra, which is scales, like that you would weigh something on. And it's from September 22nd to October 23rd. And the symbol looks like an omega symbol with a line underneath it. It looks uh, pretty similar to a hieroglyph that's an, it's a papyrus scroll book. It's because it's for the law. I don't know where this symbol yeah. came from, though. For justice, right? I mean, it li literally looks like a scale. I throw the book at you. I throw the papyrus scroll at you. Yeah. <laughs> now, Libra is considered a masculine cardinal air sign. Its ruling planet, though, is Venus. In Libra, Jupiter is exalted, Mars is in its detriment, and the sun is in its fall. Libra is considered diplomatic, fair, idealistic, social, clever, indecisive, non-confrontational, self-pitying, unreliable, vain, romantic, and platonic. So Libra's energy has to do with the weighing of possibilities, hence the scale. So we have harmony, balance, fairness. And for diplomacy, Libra is judgmental. And that ability to judge or discern can aid in finding a balance or resolution. So as the second air sign, Libra possesses the qualities of progressive air, which is cardinal. This means that the initiatory action of air is capable of making the decisions based on the information received, hence the accuracy of the scales that symbolize the sign. Libra rules over the kidneys, the lower back, and the bum bum. My bum is on the scales. Bum is on the scales. If I put it in the ocean, I could put my bum on a whale. Sorry. <laughs> Alchemically speaking, Libra is associated with the process of separation through sublimation. That's transforming a solid substance into a gas form. And Libra aligns with the autumnal equinox. That's the equinox for autumn. When the days are transitioning into shorter durations, and it makes an increased amount of darkness, which is the official beginning of autumn. Libra is associated with House 7. House 7 rules over people we work with one-to-one, -one, partnerships, marriage, anyone we live with or share accommodation with, relationships involving contracts or agreements, written or unwritten, ex-wives, ex-husbands, ex-partners, 
strangers or foreigners, all people considered others, your second child, and your third sibling. Okay. Sign eight is Scorpio for Scorpion. It's from October 23rd to November 21st. We happen to be in it right now. The symbol looks like an M, kind of like the Virgo symbol, but it has a little devil tail with like an arrow at the end of the M. When it's shown without the little like the little devil taily bit and it's just like a long part coming off, it just looks like the O character from the Theban alphabet to me, which also just looks like heretic or demotic. Scorpio is considered a feminine fixed water sign. Its ruling planet is Pluto, but its co-ruler is Mars, which was its original ruling planet. In Scorpio, Venus is at its detriment and the moon is at its fall. Scorpio is considered passionate, controlling, persistent, strategic, loyal, curious, ambitious, and transformational. So Scorpio has a a depth and intensity to it like a passionate rigidity. It also has a dark, hidden, secretive kind of nature. And just like the scorpion's tail, the sign wields a piercing, penetrative quality. Though being protected with a hard shell is itself hard to penetrate. The nature of the scorpion is also to hide under the sand and to strike quickly. And as the second water sign, Scorpio represents the progress of water in its fixed state. So think of the gestation of a womb or the life that's able to grow from water in a state, the depth of water without current, it can provide the state of constant permanence that is necessary for the root development of plants, kind of like water lilies. They need still water. Or the eggs of insects and amphibians, like frogs, to gestate. It's the reason why ponds have so much life. And according to Agrippa, Scorpio anatomically rules the secrets, whatever that means. Penis. It really, it really though, it, it means, in part, Scorpio rules the bladder, the entire reproductive system not just the genitals nipples <laughs> and the yeah, anus yeah. Mm, i like this one the fixed water sign aspect of scorpio it indicates the active principle that's hidden in the inactive scorpio is also related to the alchemical process of separation through filtration often by the filtering of the product of dissolution so i think it's interesting to pause for a moment just to consider how the venom of a scorpion is also used to make anti-venom and even sometimes painkillers as far as seasonal changes, Scorpio falls in the middle of autumn. Scorpio is associated with House 8, which rules over sex and death, relationships that are intimate, inheritances, legacies, taxation, the whole of one's life experience, transformation, and the occult. In fact, it's also related to the kundalini or serpent power, your lover's mother, and your close friend's home. Your lover's mother, not your mother's lover? I think it's kind of interesting that scorpions do glow in, in the black light, and hearing all this stuff and meditating on, you know, Scorpio-type people, it's like they almost have an affinity for the occult. They're kind of like spooky people. I've it's heard like, scorpions hate that shit. They probably do because it's the black light because they're they're like no i'm a cult don't don't bring me to light <laughs> like <laughs> so i think i think there's something to say there it's just in nature you know it's like well there you go that's why scorpios are always goths or rockers <laughs> the ninth sign is sagittarius the archer and it's from november 22nd to december 21st and the symbol looks like literally an arrow with like it's a cross on it definitely an arrow <laughs> sagittarius is considered a masculine sign and is mutable fire its ruling planet is jupiter in sagittarius mercury is at its detriment sagittarius is considered optimistic sporty artsy jolly freedom-loving hilarious fair-minded, honest, and intellectual. I've heard that there are no planets exalted in Jupiter because Jupiter is like the host of the planets. So the 
the centaur is the the constellation, but not to be confused with Centaurus. Um, so Sagittarius, the centaur, it's the the human form rising from the beast and aiming for the heavens. And the energy of Sagittarius is enthusiastic, and its combined intuition and reason can lead to intellectual understanding. So Sagittarius, symbolized by the centaur archer, is adaptable in its search for truth and capable of the reconciliation of opposites. With Jupiter as its ruling planet, it's highly creative, with a foundation based in wisdom. The aspect of mutable fire is the fire sign related to the end of fire, the fire that is adaptable and liable to change. So think of the transformative phoenix. And interestingly enough, the Phoenicid meteor showers, which come from the constellation phoenix, they occur every year close to the beginning of Sagittarius season. And regarding medical astrology, Sagittarius rules the thought and the groins, which are related to the seat of procreative powers, and again relates back to Jupiter. Alchemically speaking, Sagittarius is associated with the process of modification through incineration or serration. Serration specifically is done by the continuous introduction of a liquid while heating a hard, dry substance in order to soften it. The season of Sagittarius signifies the end of autumn. Sagittarius is associated with House 9, which rules higher education, the Holy Garden angel or higher genius in its appearance, your spiritual life, its spiritual mentor's aspiration, esoteric knowledge, foreign travel, and more distant horizons. It also corresponds to your third child. Okay. The tenth sign, Capricorn, or the goatfish. It's like a goat <laughs> with like a mermaid tail, basically. Um, it's December 22nd through January 19th. And the symbol's like a lowercase n with like a curly Q snake tail. I have no idea where this symbol is from. Do you guys? Well, it resembles uh, Scorpio and um, Virgo. So some for wherever they are, I'd say. It does look a little bit like the symbol for Saturn, but with like a shorter top piece. And then the bottom piece loops it back around. I don't know. Its ruling planet is Saturn. Capricorn is considered a feminine sign and is cardinal Earth. Its ruling planet is Saturn. There, Mars is in exaltation. Moon is at its detriment and Jupiter is in its fall. Capricorn is pragmatic, ambitious, disciplined, although they can be somewhat stoic and pessimistic. But stuff, materialism, yes. and proudness. Did you say butt stuff? Yeah, I, I was wondering about that. Yeah, Capricorns love butt stuff. Butt stuff. So Capricorn's nature is serious materialistic, practical, patient, reliable, and disciplined. As the third of the Earth signs, Capricorn expresses as the end of Earth, which is highly indicative of its Saturnian rulership. However, its modality as cardinal Earth is also fundamental and initiatory in its nature. So it lines up with the initiation of winter, which marks the winter solstice. With Capricorn's disciplined nature, it exerts control over the material environment. Regarding the body, Capricorn rules the knees and alchemically it's related to the process of decomposition through fermentation or putrefaction. Capricorn is considered the height of the zodiac and stands atop it like a mountain goat. This is because of its association with house 10 also known as the midheaven. Your midheaven corresponds to your career or vocation, achievement, social standing, profession, what you do in life and are known for, fame in the public arena. It corresponds to the height of your chart. Also, the father, your stepfather, or mother-in-law. Lastly, your boss. Your mom-in-law. All right, sign 11 is Aquarius, the water bearer, and it's January 20th through February 18th, and the symbol to me it looks like waves in the ocean, like two sets of them on top of each other, like a wiggly equal sign. I like to say in the modern age, it means radio waves. 
technology. Oh, snap. Making waves. Aquarius is considered a masculine sign and is associated with fixed air. Its ruling planet is Uranus. But it used to be Saturn, which is now considered its co-ruler. Within the sign of Aquarius, the sun is at its detriment. Aquarius is considered progressive, independent, intelligent, unique, and idealistic. Also, quirky, weird, technological, sudden, and communal. I support the current things. <laughs> so Aquarius's nature is eccentric, rebellious, liberating, and denotes newness, different and progressive things. Since Aquarius is an innovative sign, though it's also aloof and disconnected, as the third and the final air sign, Aquarius brings the end or the stability of air, and the elemental mode of that is fixed, which is kind of funny because fixed air is also an old chemistry term that was used for carbon dioxide, and that's because carbon dioxide could be fixed or returned back to the kind of solids from which it was produced. So in a sense, you could kind of say that the water bearer is disconnected from the water that they're pouring from their pitcher, and this separation from it is the relationship of fixed air. Also, the fixed modality is indicative of the stable pinnacle of the element of air's expression, which comes at the height of winter. Aquarius is associated with House 11. House 11 rules over fraternities, magic orders, so the Illuminati, clubs, societies, acquaintances, long-term hopes and ideals, especially if shared with a group, aspirations for the future, and your fourth child. People that bond over the new thing. So that's why the whole hippie movement was all into the, like, we're the age of Aquarius, man. It's like, yeah, okay, buddy. Also eyes wide shut vibes, a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sign number 12, which is the last sign, is Pisces, which are two, fi two fish. Fishies. And then this is February 19th through March 20th, and the symbol looks like two parentheses facing left and right away from each other with, like, a crossbar, so it looks like a weird H. I've heard it's supposed to be two fish tied together by a rope. Yeah, that makes sense. It also looks like cleavage. <laughs> Gosh. Now I'm always going to see boobs when I look at this. Pisces is considered a feminine sign and of mutable water. Its ruling planet is Neptune, but it used to be Jupiter, who is now its co-ruler. Venus there is in its exaltation. Mercury is in its detriment. Pisces is considered emotionally sensitive, gracious, emotionally aware, creative, generous, impressionable, distrusting, and a little bit isolating. Pisces is a sensitive, compassionate, and intuitive sign, but it's also in an imaginative dreamer and that emotional sensitivity comes from it being the only water sign that doesn't have a shell like Scorpio and Cancer have. So for the two fish of Pisces to kind of accommodate their vulnerability, they're adaptable. And that adaptability is expressed in the mutable water association. Being the final water sign, that's the expression of the end expression of water. Pisces season, it also lines up with the end of winter and they rule over the feet and the toes. The alchemical process that's related to Pisces is union through projection, which was ultimately the goal of alchemy. So the powder of projection or the philosophy for a stone is described as being a substance that's used to transform base metals into gold by casting a portion of the powder or the stone into the molten metal that you want to be transformed, which is typically lead. Pisces rules over the 12th house, which itself corresponds to hidden things, secrets, inner thoughts and fears, dreams and imaginings, secret enemies, the whole of the subconscious field, close institutions such as monasteries, 
hospitals, and asylums. Also corresponds to your co-worker's partner and the home of your spiritual mentor. If you'd like to hear the rest of the episode where we discuss the tarot association, which each sign of the zodiac and its correspondent Hebrew letter, and unpack it and unpack it a little bit more, go in depth, talk about the angels associated with each sphere, and how to use your birth chart to invoke your holy guardian angel, please visit www.patreon.com slash the whole rabbit where your monthly donation of just five bucks will get you access to our entire library of extended episodes more than doubling the content of the whole rabbit on top of that i'll send you a five by five vinyl sticker of our big bunny cover art and the secret keys to our discord server where you can ask us questions and discuss all of this zodiacal soup with us anytime day or night because some of us never sleep thank you everybody eat carrots and shoot lasers